No matter how busy you may think you are, you must find time for reading or surrender yourself to self-chosen ignorance. Confucius. Hello, friends. It's my pleasure to welcome you once again to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Nason. Our show features not only the hottest authors, but also introduces you to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest work. What do a cowboy on the run and a business principal called Song have in common? Well, both of the authors are interviewed right here on Inside the Writer's Cafe. Stay tuned and find out more. Joining me is Carl Baker, author of Brick Walls. He attended Michigan State University, and he's a combat veteran of World War II, and he served in the Pacific. Carl, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Inside the Writer's Cafe. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, Cheryl. It's my pleasure. When did you decide in your life that you wanted to be a writer? Oh, I think about five or six years ago. Uh, I've been an avid reader all my life, and then when I lost my sight and I became a reader of of uh, talking books, a <laughs> reader, yeah. Uh, and anyway, about six years ago, I got some ideas about what I would like to read in a book. And uh, although I read and listened to a lot of books, there was just some things that weren't in the book that I wanted to hear. And so I started to uh, collect different thoughts I had on on what I would put into a book. And uh, I talked on cassettes, and uh, then my daughter later, she would take the cassettes and uh, put them on, on uh, her computer. And uh, so gradually, we got a book together that I thought covered everything I really wanted to hear and see in a book. Well, I think this is a, a really interesting book. And when I first looked at the title... Brick Walls, I thought, huh, this is intriguing. What's this about? And then I started to read the book, and I realized that that's the name of your main character. Tell me how your main character got that name. Well, his name was Walls. Uh, his actual name was Francis Walls. But as a young boy, he got a lot of kidding about having a rather feminine first name. So he had a few fights, you know, when he was little. And then he got into high school and was playing football. And at one session, the announcer was saying, that Walls boy is strong and tough. Running into him is like running into a brick wall. <laughs> and at that point, that's where Brick got his name. And he Brick is a composite of all men who served in the military. He is not rich, he's not poor, he's not tall, he's not short, he's just your next-door neighbor, just an average good guy. You've set this in a fictional town that you've called 
Miranda, Texas. What? Yes. Where? Where is Miranda, Texas, in your mind, Carl? It, that's in South Texas. It's just a a small place, but uh, it's in South Texas. Tell me a little bit about the plot. Now, let's don't give away too much. We want our listeners to go out and buy a copy of the book. But let's give them a little overview of what happens, because this is a real thriller, an action thriller of a book. Well, thank you. I think it is myself. It starts with uh, drugs being involved and greed and crisscrossing the country of uh, chasing our hero down. He gets involved, him and his dog accidentally see a murder taking place and thereafter they are chased across the country to uh, Las Vegas. We have to have a little gambling in the book. (laughs) We have we have to have a little suspense, and we have to have a little love, of course. And I think all those aspects are in the book in a thrilling way. And we've got a crooked sheriff. Yes, isn't that too bad? <laughs> but we, in addition to having a crooked sheriff, we have some mafia involved who are helping our hero. So we have a flip-flop there of of reality. I love it. It all works out. Where did you get the idea for this book, Carl? Did it just come to you? Yes, ma'am, it did. And as I said, I read so many books and had different things that I thought about that should be in a book and were not and things that would be of interest to a wide variety of people. And uh, I wanted a book that would be of interest to young readers and and to men and women of all ages, because I think it has a little bit of everything in there that people like. I agree with you. I think if anyone enjoys action fiction, that they would thoroughly enjoy reading this book. I really like your hero. I really like Brick. You're right. He sounds like someone that I could know and that he'd be a good friend of mine and that I'd feel confident if I had him around. Yes, you know that he is he is a good, good fellow, and then he just uh, accidentally gets involved, and he's not looking for trouble, but he finds it, and he handles it. You know, it almost sounds like it could be, if you'll pardon the phrase, ripped out of the headlines today. You know, people see things all the time that they don't want to see or that they didn't mean to see, especially in this day and time. And all of a sudden, you find yourself involved in something that you never imagined would happen to you. And it sounds to me like that's exactly where Brick finds himself. Exactly. That's what I want to make it, where people can feel, you know, this is real. You have Brick's dad as a veterinarian, and you have him be a really 
philanthropic person. There's a, a young man that's a little bit older than Brick. His name is Bob Griffin. And Brick's father originally sort of hires Bob to come into the veterinary practice. And Bob's not from a very wealthy family. And yet he's taken under Dr. Wall's wing. And Dr. Walls does some really, really nice stuff for him and changes, I thought, Bob's life. Do you know somebody that something like that happened to? Because I thought that just smacked of reality. No, I I really don't. But I I thought it was a good thing to have in the book because we have our dog Red, who is a wonderful Irish setter and a good good loyal friend of Brick's. And uh, Brick misses him when he leaves, but he has that great friend. Bob, that he can leave leave Red with, and uh, it's it's like most people they love animals, and uh, you you do a lot for your pet. You're always a winner if you have a good animal in a book. You know they used to say I've done a little bit of television, and they used to say that you're always upstaged by animals and children, and it's always the truth. If you have that Irish setter on the set, everybody loves the dog, and they don't pay any attention to the people. So I think you did a really <laughs> nice job with Red. I like him as yeah. a character. Yes, that's true. <laughs> when the readers, when it, when our our Listeners, buy a copy of your book, and they can do that if they go to Amazon.com, which is exactly what I did. I just put in Amazon.com in my, my search feature, clicked on it, went to Amazon. I pulled up the book search feature, and I put in Brick Walls by Carl Baker, clicked on it, and it came right up. So if the listeners want to buy it, they can get it on Amazon.com, but it's also available somewhere else, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is available at AuthorHouse.com. And there, if you want to find out uh, more details, I think you'll find it there. Good. And I know there's going to be a video available, and I would bet that Author House is going to post it on their website under your book's name. I don't think it's Very there. Possible. It's it's um, not it's not there yet, right? That is correct. Okay, but uh, you are right that there is going to be a video. I think that's going to be exciting. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. So I'm I'm uh, as anxious to see it as anyone else. I think that's exciting. Yes, I do too. It, uh, it's amazing what all you can get uh, involved in. And uh, I, I just wanted this book to be something that everyone would enjoy. There's nothing in there to uh, to hurt anybody's feelings or anything distasteful in the respect of of uh, being just clean, clean cut. It's a good clean action book. Yes, it is. I tried to keep it that way, and uh, it's, I hope everybody that listens to this will find a, a copy and enjoy it because I have enjoyed books so much in my life, and I like everybody to 
enjoy that feeling. I couldn't agree with you more. Is that what you want people to leave with after they finish the book? Do you just want them to be entertained and to close that back cover and say, boy, that was a good book. I really enjoyed myself. Or is there another message that you want to leave them with? I think uh, both. I, I think that people, I want them to enjoy the book. And when they're finished, say that was great. But there's also a message in there of um, crime doesn't pay and uh, that love is wonderful even though it doesn't always end with a happy ending. But enjoy life while you can. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, Carl, and I want to thank you, first of all, for writing the book. I know you're not a kid. You're 90 years old yourself, and this sounds like a terrific undertaking, and your daughter, Nancy, she and I have been communicating with one another, and it sounds like she's been really helpful to you to help get your message and get your book out there. Yes, she certainly has been, and uh, I found... Years back, in 1946, I was in a bad automobile accident, and uh, I went to the hospital. I was knocked out unconscious, and the doctor looked at me, and he said, he's dead. Oh, gosh. I I woke up four days later, and so I just wanted to advise everybody, if you are declared dead... Ask for a second opinion. (laughs) Carl, you are delightful. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been a great day. You too. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. Joining me is Arnold Judson. He's the author of True Success, What It Means and How Organizations Can Achieve It. Arnold received both his bachelor's and his master's degrees from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He studied chemical engineering, organizational behavior, and industrial relations. He taught management courses at Northeastern University and the Arthur D. Little Management Education Institute. He's published three other books, and he's written numerous journal articles. Welcome, Arnold. Hi. I'm I'm on. (laughs) I'm really pleased to have you. You know, your book is interesting. First of all, let's talk about the audience that you wrote the book for, because it's a business book, but you wanted a broader audience than that. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I, my, I evolved uh, all through my work experience uh, from focusing on uh, organizational problems to uh, a much broader uh, approach uh, in, in which I... The, the, the target became the, organiz- the overall organization itself. Um, the the uh, first three books that I wrote uh, all deal with organizational issues, uh, 
but from the point of view of uh, the manager and what the manager personally could do to uh, improve uh, malfunctions uh, in the organization. But as I gained more and more experience, both in uh, America and uh, abroad, I realized that uh, the organization is uh, a present entity uh, in all problems, and we all depend on organizations. It's organizations that provide services and goods and products and so on to us, and uh, the, the quality uh, and capability of these goods and services uh, are all the result of how well uh, the organization functions as a whole. And my in interest and focus shifted as a result of this uh, accumulated experience to <clears throat> uh, the whole question of organizational capability and performance as opposed to personal and individual capability and performance. And, and that uh, shows up in the, the nature of the, the four books that I've had published. The, the, the shift has gone from uh, focus on the individual manager uh, to um, the organization as a whole. And uh, that also was reflected in uh, the kinds of issues that uh, attracted me and were the, the focus of my work uh, professionally. Uh, originally, the ma magic word that I was continuously concerned with was productivity and how uh, productive uh, was the individual uh, the small group, uh, the department, uh, and ultimately uh, we ended up thinking about productivity as an organizational issue. Uh, and that coincided with the uh, arrival of strategy, uh, business strategy as uh, a matter of concern for organizations. Uh, and I was uh, happily present at the time that, that this began to be uh, a major focus uh, of consulting organizations. And um, before I became a consultant, uh, I was a manager in a number of different organizations at different levels. And uh, I was uh, very attracted to uh, this rise in interest in the whole question of business strategy. And I, by that time, I was working as a consultant and helped to uh, formulate uh, an approach to productivity. Let's talk about one of those approaches that's in the book. Let's talk about the S-O-N-G concept. I thought that was very interesting. 
Right. Well, one uh, particular, uh, a very important feature of any organization is what processes uh, are employed by the organization as a whole uh, to enable it to do what it, what it wants to do. And it makes all the difference between success and failure as to how effective this process is. And uh, there are many ways of cutting and slicing uh, the organization to sort of identify the key processes. But there's the processes of uh, getting a new uh, market offering out into the marketplace uh, that is product, product and service development and delivery. Uh, that's one process which you can map and describe and so on. Uh, strategy formulation and execution is another uh, process, which is a very big one uh, and is crucial to an organization. And, uh, and I came to the conclusion at a pretty early stage that uh, it was all very nice to talk about strategy and uh, very high-flown and uh, it's, it's something that uh, uh, senior executives love to get involved with, but uh, it's all very intellectual, and the uh, real key to the to success of, of uh, the strategy aspect of it is how well does it get implemented or executed, or does it get implemented at all? Uh, and and I, I had an article published in Harvard Business Review way back in the 80s about the called the awkward truth about <clears throat> uh, productivity and it, it put the spotlight on this whole question of the difference between uh, ideas the development of ideas and the actual uh, application of those ideas into uh, workable uh, outcomes and uh, a song is uh, an example of uh, one of these processes, and it's the process used by the organization to navigate uh, it through uh, the outside world. And uh, it's a very it's one of the key processes I think uh, of any organization, uh, which if done well, uh, improves the, the chances of coming up with the right ideas uh, for the strategy and uh, increasing the likelihood that that strategy will get executed as intended. Uh, so it's, it's a very broad, uh, uh, has a very broad reach uh, because it involves the organization as a whole uh, and that means it isn't the exclusive uh, territory for the top management of an organization. It really needs to include uh, lower levels of management supervision as well if you're going to get uh, better results in terms of uh, execution. So... Uh, I didn't, sort of the heart of this, my book uh, is a detailed description 
of this process of uh, strategy formulation and execution. Uh, my earlier uh, book, which came out about uh, 15 years ago, uh, called Make, Making Strategy Happen, uh, focused mainly on the execution problem. Uh, but that uh, was that that idea is uh, incorporated into uh, true success um, because that's a key piece of of the process. So I, I uh, about uh, more than half the book is devoted to a detailed description of this process and what it takes to make it work and, and uh, uh, how <clears throat> what the pitfalls are and how those can be avoided and so on. SONG actually stands for System for Organizational Navigation and Guidance. And right. that it's really defined in Chapter 6. I have a list of, you have 10 chapters in your book and three appendices. And I think it's very interesting. You address success in two of the chapters, Chapter 2 and Chapter 3. Right. How do you define success? Okay, you, you've touched on a very key problem. Uh, and uh, it, it uh, invites me to go on my rant uh, about uh, the peculiarities of the American business culture. Uh, and that includes not only for-profit, but also not-for-profit and governmental organizations as well. But I discovered from, uh, after doing a lot of work in other countries, uh, in North America and Central America and Europe, in the Middle East, that uh, there are some a couple of peculiar uh, phenomena in the American culture, which uh, are obstacles to success, uh, and that is that uh, there are two in particular I wanted to mention, and then I'll go on and define success. Uh, that one characteristic of uh, American executives and managers is that they seem to believe that uh, no no problem is unsolvable, and that somewhere uh, there is uh, an answer, and they just need to be uh, focused on the right things, and that answer will occur. And that is accompanied by a, a similar uh, belief that no problem is so complicated that it can't be solved. Uh, and it, not only can it be solved, but there's a quick fix that'll do it. Uh, and that they have to uh, be seen to be uh, working on uh, finding the quick fix and carrying it out. Uh, and that has uh, dominated uh, the publications of books uh, for business and management 
that uh, there have been, and the most, I'm sorry to say, that the most successful uh, from a sales, book sales point of view, uh, books uh, are, are those that uh, seem to offer the, the quick fix. Uh, management by walking around and uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm searching for titles here. The, the, uh, the, the one that, that I think was perhaps most uh, successful uh, is in search of excellence, uh, which came out shortly uh, before uh, my my book, and uh, that that was based on research by two consultants from McKinsey and Company who looked at uh, selected uh, large corporations uh, over and they looked at their performance over a period of several years. Uh, and the performance was uh, uh, defined by <clears throat> um, uh, financial uh, results uh, and uh, other uh, kinds of quantifiable uh, accomplishments as well as uh, reputation uh, generally and so on and uh, I, I have a, an appendix in, in my book that uh, resulted from some research I did on the subsequent performance of the companies that they identified uh, as effective and successful and uh, it turns out, if you look at it from a broader point of view and a longer range point of view than they did, um, there are very few of the organizations that they identified as successful uh, weren't really. Uh, a lot of them were out of business uh, or they were merged uh, with other uh, companies. And the, the, the bottom line is that success is a very tricky uh, idea uh, to define. And um, it's, it's a, first of all, it's a perception, uh, not, a, not a fact. Uh, and it depends on the, the viewer of uh, what is important to them uh, and having that thought dominate the definition of success. Uh, there are objective indicators of success, uh, which are, uh, but you can't identify a single indicator uh, that works uh, in every case, uh, and it's single indicators are insufficient to signal success takes a number of such indicators to do the job, and you need to uh, have a kind of a um, scorecard uh, that's dynamic to cover uh, the territory that, that uh, uh, 
success really involves. Don't you really so, get into that in Chapter 3 where you say yes, determining yes. success? Yes. Now, we're really running out of time, Arnold, and I want to make sure that we let our listeners know where they can find the book. Now, the book is easily found on Amazon. All, right. all they have to do is go to www.amazon.com and then go to the book section and put in the name of the book, and it's very simple, even if you just put in True Success. But the secondary part of it, True Success, What It Means and How Organizations Can Achieve It by Arnold, A-R-N-O-L-D-J-U-D-S-O-N. And when they put that in and click on the book search feature, the book comes up and there's a very nice excerpt that they can read on Amazon. If they want to go to another place to find the book, I know that it's available other places as well. Would you tell our listeners where else they can get it? Well, a second step that I would urge people interested in the book is my website. And you can order the book from my website, but there's a lot more about the book uh, uh, on the website uh, to satisfy uh, interest in, in you know, how broad is the book and what kinds of things does it cover and what questions does it answer and so on. Give us that uh, address, Arnold. So the website address is uh, and no No spaces all lowercase, uh, true success with Arnold Judson.com. Well, this is uh, a fascinating idea. It's a fascinating book. And I think you've given us a great overview today of what to expect. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Inside the Writer's Cafe. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Well, thanks, Carol. I'd like to have another opportunity to do that if, if that could be arranged, because we really only scratched the surface. Uh, but hopefully, we have titillated our listeners, and they'll go right to either your website or Amazon and purchase the book. Thanks again, Arnold. Thank you, Carol. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read.